Mm, there's so much to say about that piece of music. It's, it's the, it's the, layered. It's, the time it's uh, yeah. it's European. I'm sensing mm. Germany. It mm. does remind me of that film I starred in in France all those years ago. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was yeah. taken. Uh, I thought that was banned in all countries. That was in most countries. That yeah. was an art house expressionist. It, it was. It was only a short film though. Yeah, it was comedic though. It wasn't and designed to be short. No, it just ended up being <laughs> yeah. quite short. Yeah, yeah they Black cut a lot white. of me out of it. That's that was right. good. Hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast, where we tear down, pressure test and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James, and with me are Matt Campbell. G'day. And the adventurous head of the Cars Guide adventure section, Marcus Crafty Craft. Hello. He does have an adventurous head, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit of a rough melon. It's a challenge. Thanks for rubbing it in, Matty. This week, among other things, we'll look at early news from the New York Motor Show, rare classics going under the hammer in Sydney, and all-wheel drive versus four-wheel drive. The same, but different. But first, Musk Watch. Uh, <laughs> our What's he done now? Well, look, our man Elon, uh, he's been at the South by Southwest Tech Conference, and it's a music festival as well, yep. um, in Austin, Texas. And he's done a Q&A session, a kind of an impromptu Q&A. And there were three main takeouts from, from the session. Um, firstly, he gave an update on the BFR, which of course means big f***ing rocket. Oh, there's no need for the language. Yeah. I don't think we need to say rocket. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may take people to Mars. It's on track, allegedly, according to um, uh, the Big E, for test flights early next year. The Big E. The Big E. I love that. Yeah. Maybe I think that's what he's been using a yeah. lot of the big, a lot of the big E, crushed up it's, and on his wheat bix. Yeah, <laughs> he's also said that moving people to Mars is essential because he's a firm believer that artificial intelligence uh, will do us all in, or, or failing that, uh, a possible or even likely World War Three. So we've got to have an outpost somewhere else. Right. So the best answer to that is fly some people to Mars. To that's an, it. Yeah. To an inhospitable planet. Um, where they're going to die anyway. Exactly, where they're going to die yeah. anyway. Yeah. And he's also been quoted as saying, I think in the next year, self-driving will encompass essentially all modes of driving. But he immediately qualified this by adding, maybe 18 months from now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Give, so, giving himself a bit of wiggle room. So the next year is 18 months away. Uh, I didn't realise what that... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I've been looking at calendars all wrong yeah, this whole look, time. Yeah, I'm confused. It must be a Mayan calendar or something. I don't know. It's classic E. Yeah, yeah it's it classic is. E. Yeah. You know, the old E. That, anyway. comes, that comes from being a bullied South African school kid, I think. Uh. We'll move on and get back. We'll get back to Elon next week. We'll keep you posted as always. But a couple of weeks' time, uh, New York Motor Show is coming up, and we've already had two big teasers in the lead-up. Pretty significant cars. The Toyota RAV4. We've seen a spooky silhouette of what that car might look like, and that's headed our way around early 2019, and Subaru Forester, which might be here late this year. So the competitors in market and in the Big Apple. Matt, M4, what do we, what do we make of those two? Uh, it's uh, pretty vital reveals for both of those cars. I mean, they're both getting a little bit long in the tooth. The competition is very, very strong in that segment. In fact, the RAV4 in, uh, in 2017 ranked third for mm, sales, which yeah. is a surprise for that, for that vehicle. It's been a long-time favourite. Um, you know, one of the, the worst-performing Toyota SUVs, if you can call it worst-performing, with more than 20,000 sales in 2017. Um, behind the likes of the Hyundai Tucson 
and the Mazda CX-5. Right, so that's so, within its segment. Yep, yes. yep within its segment. Um, and the Forester had a bit of a slower year as well. I think people are realising that it's getting a bit old, but they're also buying Outbacks in big numbers as well. So yeah, right. So as a you know, competitor from within, um, yes. I guess that's a good challenge to have for Subaru, but uh, it ran seventh in terms of sales last really? year. Really, Forester? So, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, so um, it's, it's great that we'll see new models for each of them. They definitely... Uh, almost due um, yeah. in terms of where they sit in their competitive sets. They're yeah. not the most standout cars anymore. Yeah. Um, we can expect pretty dramatic styling changes, uh, I think, for both of them. Really, um, The teasers have been very limited. Yeah, you're right. A silhouette of the RAV4 and a sitting light. next to a next to a, a lovely little pond with a sunset in the background. I believe it was romantic uh, was the phrase you coined. Uh, yes. Z- uh, yeah, yeah, mysterious romantic SUV. Um, <laughs> and then the Forester was a, uh, a tail light shot, uh, which also indicated a bit of a departure yeah. from the current styling. So we're going to see... Pretty big changes, I think. If if the forest is anything, uh, if there's anything to go by in terms of the Subaru Ascent that came before it, sure, uh, which is the bigger SUV that's sold in America, yeah, um, then the Forester will be a bit chunkier looking, a bit more muscular. At least it's not another visive concept, you know. Yeah, I think we're visived out. Yeah, um, but crafty these. These cars are kind of on the periphery of the the genuine off off highway kind of world, aren't they? But they're yeah, no, um, absolutely. But but like Maddie touched on, they they have their they have their fan base, and it's and it's pretty substantial because yeah. those things still you know still sell by the by the truckload. Uh, but I think he also touched on an important issue. Everyone else has moved forward. Those two models yeah. uh, have sort of I don't know they're stuck in the past to a degree. I think it's well overdue. Mm. I think it'll be. Um, I think no matter what form it takes, um, it shall be successful, if not yep. only for the knock-on effect of, of that sort of brand loyalty of both things. Uh, yeah, they're not, they're not hardcore four-wheel drives, but a lot of people don't want to go, um, you know, rock crawling. No. They just want to be mm. able to go on gravel, yeah. uh, you know, a little bit of mud, that sort of thing. And you can, have, you can just have a, as great a weekend with your family or your, or your loved ones as, as you can in something well, else. You, you'd have to thing. imagine that Toyota's been going down a slightly more adventurous path in terms mm-hmm. of the way it's styling and designing its car. So the RAV4 will probably be a little more um, attention-grabbing. Yeah, yeah, so, I think so, absolutely. Yeah. And the, the Subaru family look tends to be a tad more conservative, so there might be some, some difference, you know, if you like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think there's scope for a little bit of change within that, you know, within those parameters. I mean, and, the traditional parameters of those models. And this year, looking at Toyota's, uh, what Toyota's got coming in the next twelve months, new Corolla and new Rav Four. Yeah. Um, I think they're both going to be built on the same international global platform. TNGA. Yep. Toyota new global architecture. Exactly. Yep. Which we've seen is a terrific underpinnings uh, in other cars, CHR and Prius. Uh, it does quite a good Cam- job. Camry. Camry as well. As well. Yeah. Um, so we can expect that the new RAV4 hopefully will drive a bit better than the existing one because that's been one of its letdowns. You're being very polite, uh, yes. Yeah. We, we all certainly hope so. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good already. Something yeah. to look forward to there, and I'm sure there'll be more um, kind of teaser photographs to come before that thing actually gets Romantic. underway in, yeah, in New keep, York. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for those. Now, speaking of motor shows, Matt, you've come back from the Geneva Motor Show, and Mal joined us uh, on the on the line last week, which was terrific, but in the uh, the year of Me Too, twenty eighteen has certainly emerged as the year of the whole Me Too movement. There was chat at Geneva that the practice of using fashion models to add, you know, let's call it female sensuality, 
to product displays should come to an end. The so-called grid girls in Formula One has been replaced by grid kids. Um, it appears the broader car industry's following suit. What did you sense when you were on the ground there? Yeah, there were definitely fewer of the uh, models or showroom or whatever they whatever they call them. What booth, were their titles? I mean, I've never understood booth experts. Gratuitous, um, you know, objectified. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, scantily <laughs> clad. Women, yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, this time around, it certainly seemed like there was less of that, which is, I think, a welcome thing. You don't go to a, a motor show to see yeah. women not wearing many clothes. If you want that, there are other places for you to go. It certainly feels like a hangover from a long time ago. It's strange that in 2018 it's still yeah. a thing. Yeah. yeah, and I mean there are still people there to help you. If you have questions about the car, they'll be able to answer it for you. There's So less... legitimate questions, I mean, a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, less of that thing where there's just a, a nice-looking female standing next to a car sure. to make it look better in a photograph. There are still some brands that are clinging onto that. Yeah. Um, for example... Naming no names, Alfa Romeo. Yeah, walking past the Alfa Romeo <laughs> stand, they had a bunch of beautiful women standing next to the cars. And, of course, there were some creepy guys standing there oh, wanting, always to get, are, aren't they? wanting to get oh. selfies, wanting but to take But hold on, photos. by definition, you were one of them. If you, uh, I was walking past. Oh, you were walking, walking past. I was walking past. past. Yeah. Yeah. My camera right, was yeah. likely excuse. in my yeah. pocket. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. that that's... Yeah, you're right. It's, it's on its way out. We yeah. did see also... We've seen other brands taking a different tack with that, with male and female um, attendants on, on the booths, yep. um, which is good. Are they necessary at all, really? I just don't sure. think we should have anyone there. Have, have, a, have a proper tech guy or an engineer, someone who can answer serious sure. questions. Go, yeah, go with the, the genius guy. bar, yeah, like yeah. a genius thing like bar. Apple. That's so, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it really should go the way of the dodo. I mean, we're in the agree. 21st century now. Let's, let's kick on with things, and, yeah. you know. Well, that's good. Let, let's see what happens uh, at New York in, a, mm. in a, a couple of weeks' time, and we'll see what, what goes on there. Now, it's time for a message from an Aussie automotive icon, Winton. Life's a journey, and for over a century, Winton's been helping Australians enjoy the ride. Behind the wheel of a Winton, you're comfortably in control of the most efficient, enjoyable, and brilliantly engineered car in the world. In fact, from class-leading luxury and performance cars to light trucks, heavy haulers and agricultural equipment, all supported by our no-haggle, lifetime warranty and industry-leading service, Winton covers all the bases. Winton, Australian with a world of difference. Now, listening to that, you might be asking, where's, where's Frosty? You know, Where is mate, Frosty? Frost, it's, Frosty it's the eternal Jobs. question. He's the head of media and now government relations at uh, Winton Moco. Um, he's on the New South Wales Central Coast. He's trying to tie up a sponsorship deal with the Watanabe Warriors. It's a, um, I, I was just up there driving on the beach and I, I, I caught sight of the, did, uh, the, the Frosty media wagon. Yeah. The, the Winton, the Winton mm, wagon. Yep. Well, look, it's a regional AFL team. It's unusual. He told me it's a mixed-gender team, and uh, Scruffy the Ruckman Slayer is an absolute star. She's an amazing asset to the club. So, you know, watch rangy, that space. Rangy, ropey, muscled. Very soon. Good, I, good look, player. I don't want to let any cats out of the bag, but it very soon could be the Winton Watanobi Warriors. So wow. uh, let's, oh, wow. let's see. Let's that's, see. That's a big deal. That's yeah. a big deal to close. Which actually leads me to an event in uh, Sydney this week just gone, the Shannon's 2018 Autumn Classic Auction in Sydney. I was there, I decided to just go along as a, as a punter. It was terrific. 
was full of great cars. It also made an interesting anthropological study in looking across the crowd of people there that were ready to bid. I know Frosty had a few operatives bidding on his behalf um, in the crowd. I <laughs> he's could, I he's could, always on the phone, isn't he? Yeah, Some, he's always he's, on the phone. Well, he's working there. the deals. He's yeah. always working the deals. Yeah. He's a keen classic car collector. Generally goes after old taxis. <laughs> He does. <laughs> yes. Loves the smell, apparently. He does. Well, he knows, <laughs> he knows the insides of most taxis in the New South Wales fleet. Um, but there was an early New South Wales number plate, specifically number 251, that went for $226,000. That's insane. And I've got to say that the car park outside, there were a lot of cars that had the old enamel, you know, black and white plates on, yeah, low numbers. Yeah. So the trade in these things, whether it's an investment or a hobby, it's big, big numbers for a hobby. But it seems as though it's a, it's a pretty safe investment vehicle. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, there was a five-digit number plate that reached a record. It was 88688, apparently a lucky number. Uh, 85 grand Ooh. just for five wow, numbers really? on the number plate. That's weird. That yes. is weird, yeah. Someone has a lot of cash and a lot of nostalgia. Or a I'd lot expect of to of get a bit more metal. And enamel for my money. Yeah. There's just not much perhaps, there. Maybe like a, a car attached a car's to it. Worth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a car's worth of metal. Yeah, and an It'd engine and wheels. And an engine and Anyway, look, each did their own. They also had an A9X barn find, which has been locked away in a, in a, work, in a cage for some time. It went for $275,000. But looking at the car on the night, it's a hatch. It was this uh, soft yellow colour. It looked to be in perfect condition. Really fantastic car just to lay eyes on it. There was an EJ Premier. Went for twenty two thousand dollars. Now, new wow. in nineteen sixty two, they cost two thousand eight hundred and forty dollars. So that's an appreciating mm. investment there. Absolutely. For what it's worth, my older brother said that that's the car that he, he thought the Australian car industry had arrived yeah. when the EJ Premier red leather bucket seats. <laughs> that's it. You know, we've Posh. we've reached world standard. Uh, now, EJ's um, EJ's for people who are old Holden fans. EJ's have always been a bit of an overshadowed model compared to an EH. EH. Yeah, um, and EJ. to see I've, them fetching that big money is pretty impressive. I got a, a soft spot for the EJ. It's fantastic. There was a low K uh, Porsche 930 Turbo from 1982, 181 thousand dollars, and a model boat I was too gutless to bid on for 400 bucks. But the, the, <laughs> the total. The total for the night was six and a half million dollars, and it was really interesting to wow. look at the crowd. Insane. It was, it was, um, I'd say, eighty percent men. Mm-hmm. There were a fair few wives and significant others. I think it was a fairly masculine kind of event, but everybody was having a really good time. There were people spending large sums of money and watching others spend large sums of money. Really enjoying the, themselves. Really enjoying themselves. Yeah. There was a very yeah. positive vibe in the room. It was over in um, Artaman on the north side of Sydney City. It was terrific. So. Auctions in general can be a can be a, a real event to go to. Yeah. Like even even if you're just having a casual look around, you're not, yeah. even, you're not even bidding on anything. You, you know, the atmosphere can get pretty electric. Well, the, the way it was managed in that there were online bidders and people in the actual room and the toing and froing. Yeah, it could be property, it could have been antiques. You know, auctions have their own dynamic. But the fact that everyone in the room were you know petrol heads and and enjoying that hobby together. I really thought it was terrific. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, wow. I've never been to an automotive auction, so I might have to get myself along to one. Yeah, yeah. And I know Shannon. What auctions have you been to? I went to a house auction once. Oh, there you go. And was outbid because it was an inn in Western Sydney. Uh, It was actually was the horse stables that we were planning to convert into a house. But uh, were the horses still there? uh, No, no. (laughs) We decided that for fifty square meters of of nothingness, uh, about half half a million bucks was too much. No, that's that's probably that's probably a bit too much. 
puts a new spin on mucking out the stables, mate, <laughs> when you, if you'd moved in there. But Absolutely. Crafty, just changing tack somewhat, you recently knocked out a story uh, for us on all-wheel drive versus four-wheel drive, and it, it's kind of the nomenclature that mixes people up occasionally. Um, they're kind of the same but different, aren't they? Kind, what, kind of the it? same but different. Um, you're probably better off talking to a tech head like the Campbell over there, Matty C. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll give it a nudge. I mean, I'm, I'm more about the, the bush and the beach and the barbecues than about the, uh, you know, the, the inner workings of these things. But uh, basically, same system, throws the drive to the four wheels. Uh, a four-wheel drive um, has a diff. So then, uh, the it it will allow the uh, it will allow the different speeds for the for the different axles, different wheels, right. and the axles. Yep. All wheel drive system works all, off of an all wheel drive system. Yes. So same principle, same application. I'm talking in real general terms. Uh, all wheel drives are generally lower vehicles. I'm saying generally because yes. there there are some obviously that have a high gl- uh, ground clearance. And that's clearance. about their ground clearance. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. And they're more considered again generally. They're more considered sort of good fast gravel vehicles, vehicles gotcha. that are safe, yes, steady, hold well to the uh, road, sit pretty solidly. Yeah. Um, so they might get you to your fishing spot so long as it's just a gravel road yeah, and, and a bit of absolutely. softer stuff. Yeah. yeah. But um, if you if you're into a four by four. Yeah. You're going to have a transfer case That's with correct, the low yeah. range ratios right, yeah, and really yeah. you're going to be crawling and yeah. have that ability. Yeah, a four-wheel drive, um, I'll say a full-time four-wheel drive has a dual range transfer case. So that means you have access to high range, mm. low range. Mm. Uh, that means you can, uh, again, generally, I mean, there are some drivers who can take all-wheel drive vehicles in, in, into places that I wouldn't expect that they'd be able to get safely and with minimum damage. Uh but um, yeah, that will take you to play. So you've got you've got more torque at a at a at a sort of you yeah. know, grass levels route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so plenty of sort of slow creep power. Yep. Take on steep inclines, declines, that sort of thing. And I don't know about you, Matt. I occasionally dip into Crafty's world, you know, courtesy of new product launches and what have you. Do a yep. bit of rock crawling in the proper four by fours. It's yep. fantastic fun, isn't it? It, it sure is. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't actually know the ability and the capability of their cars uh, particularly you know like i've tested a few seven seat suvs uh and i've been a bit surprised basically they're just let down by tires a mm. lot of the time like the yeah. all-wheel drive systems are actually pretty good yeah. oh, absolutely, but the yeah. tires that you fit can be the difference between getting somewhere and not yeah. getting anywhere and also the pressures you run i mean yeah. and we, yeah. we we touch upon this in every yarn and adventure um, it's it's all about driving sensibly, safely. But if you adjust your pressures to suit the terrain, mm-hmm. I've seen people in, in two-wheel drive station wagons in the Simpson Desert yeah. uh, take on massive dunes. So if you can adjust your tyre pressures, get the right rubber on. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's always going to be a, a big help from the start. But, yeah, get your tyre pressures right and you, you can pretty much go. And as go a consumer, anywhere. you're probably going to think about what, what you're going to use the vehicle for most. Yeah, so it's always yeah. a compromise, isn't it? You, you might have yeah. a really hardcore off-road tyre, but when you put it on the bitumen, it might be loud. Oh, and, it's and noisy. And You'll use more fuel. Yeah, and yeah, not so, as grippy. So you've yeah. just got to work out what's right for Absolutely, you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look, speaking of adventure, Lexus is launching, of all things, a premium yacht for sale <laughs> Is worldwide. this Boat's Guide or Car's Guide, James? We seem to be for the next five minutes, nautical it's stuff. Boat, you know, <laughs> for the next five minutes, we're just taking some liberties here. Can you because take off Lexus, your sailor's cap for a second? Lexus is primarily a, uh, an automotive brand, as we know, but it's going to be building a 20-metre long, suitably luxurious uh, yacht. 
Motor yacht. That's a monster. It'll be built mm. by Toyota Marine, which I've only recently learned is one of the largest premium yacht makers in Japan. And they had a concept sports yacht not long ago, and it's based on that. And that concept was powered by two 351-kilowatt Lexus 5-litre V8s. That's so nice. This this one <laughs> is is much longer than, than that boat. Yes. So you'd imagine it's going to kind of build on that power. So it's all oh. of those things. But I reckon the real reason they're doing it is because Merck's doing it. And yeah. That'd be it, yeah. yes. Absolutely. So Merck's got it. Silver Arrows Marine, and they have their Arrow 460 Gran Turismo. Right. So, uh, you know, we'll have some links where people listening can go off and, and have a look at these. But uh, it's a bit of tit-for-tat, I think, in the premium car world. Yep. They've now hit the water. Yeah, exactly. And look... Uh, Marine isn't foreign to some brands who do this. Um, Hyundai in Korea has yeah. a, a boats department that, and they yeah, build right. boats. Yes, so, they do. And well, right up to super tankers yeah, and yeah. the whole bit, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, diversifying is, is an interesting way of making new business. So, Well, when you think about the three-pointed star for Mercedes-Benz, it was air, land and sea yeah. with the three points. So they've got a little bit of cred, I suppose. And if you think about the, the spindle grill of a Lexus, you think, how are they going to fit that to a boat? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's the propeller. Yeah. It's just at the other end. Oh, yeah, right. That's the stern drive. Yeah, okay. It becomes look, a spindle I, stern drive. I look forward to your review on it, James. Yeah. When, you, when you actually take could, it out, could Mate, be fun. If you say drive a boat, what do you what do you steer? Uh, I think it? steer it. Steer it. I think you steer yeah. a boat. Okay. You captain it. Captain it. You captain a boat. Skipper. And you're yeah. right. You do need the little peaked. You can you captain. can doff your your sailor's cap. <laughs> even even with two V8s, how good would that boat sound if it's 20 meters long? So it's bigger than the concept. Could there be four V8s? Whoa. Whoa. Oh. the man? A quad V8. You're a boat hot rodder. Oh. You're thinking. <laughs> I'm into it. I like your thinking. <laughs> speaking of hot rodders, it. speaking of hot rodders, it's time for a word from our overly enthusiastic colleagues at Oversteer. What happens when you put three hooligans together in one room? You get a podcast full of hectic banter. Hummer <laughs> is for any rugged man. This manly scent possesses oh, well, a blend. That, that rules me right out. <laughs> Jeez. Stupid stories. It's it's a cruise ship with all the inside scooped out, water fills it up, and then you put a pirate ship in the middle. Nothing more gangster than a ship in a ship. You're an idiot. And some discussion about cars. So we've got the K cars as well. What do you guys think? There's this new Honda Sports concept there. I think it looks so cool. It, it does look a bit funky, mate. The Oversteer Podcast on the Cars Guide website iTunes, and where all good podcasts are sold. I don't know about mm. those guys. They're yeah. scamps, yeah. aren't they? they? They need to be pulled into line. <laughs> I would not leave my wallet on their desk. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't trust them. Crafty, I think, you're the, I think you're the mentor that these people need, and <laughs> thankfully we can all be grateful that you're around to help pull them into line. Oh, we all try. We'll move on. VW Group, which of course encompasses almost every automotive brand in the world, these days has come out and said that it will build EVs in 16 factories by the end of 2022, so zero tailpipe emission vehicles, um, on the way to 3 million EVs a year by 2025 across its 12 brands. And I just got to pose the question, what if nobody buys them? It's a bloody good question. Um, the, it's it's one of those things. If if you build it, they will come. Will they? Will it, they? It, though? Seem, it will seems they? like the supply side is heavily loaded yeah. here. Like if oh, yeah. we if we push this product out into the yeah. market, 
the, people will buy it. The have only, they done their market research? I mean, have they sent out a few flyers? You'd imagine. Tick, I, yeah, I'll buy an even. I think you should get onto them, Crafty, because yeah. yeah. that seems like a fly in the ointment that they haven't actually done that, Ask that part of the they... business case. Yeah. yeah, I think there's some serious things that need to be overcome before they'll sell 3 million EVs. That's a lot yeah. of units. Um, yeah. I, would, of... I would think that things like uh, battery range, um, yeah. power output, and also cost. Mm. Um, if I mean, we've seen Volkswagens come out with a family of EV models that it wants to show you and sell you, like the the one that was shown at the Geneva show, the Vision concept. And Porsche had had yep. its um, what, the remind mission, me the Mission, mission E, e yeah. Sport Turismo, exactly. which was yep. which was hideous. Right. Um, this these sorts of cars they do open up the possibilities of reimagining how much you can fit into that size of vehicle so for example the the vision is the size of a passat yeah. but with the interior space of a phaeton so mm. the phaeton's the big limousine yeah and but it it's it's a weird car it's like they said oh it's n- not going to have a steering wheel it's it's wow. going to be one so of those it's fully cars. autonomous as yeah. well level so you, 5 yeah so you sit in it and it had a footrest like mm. where you where you would usually have the dashboard yeah. there was no dashboard so, so crafty how do, you, how do you go with your you know electric four-wheel drive doing the river crossing and there's just a big zap and everything uh, the fish are all, <laughs> the fish are all floating on the top and you haven't made it to the other side <laughs> well well i mean funny you should mention that because i i've done another yarn uh for adventure i think it's already gone up um but just touching on uh technology but land rover jaguar um have already started testing uh, a fully autonomous off-roaders. So things that will react to, you know, the, the terrain and, and changes in conditions and that sort of thing. But no mention of sort of electric. Because uh-huh. when you're thinking about, you, you know, you're talking about your wading depth and stuff like mm, that, I mean, sure. you'd have to be have, have fully sealed batteries you would. and sources of power. And, and also sort of your range, you know, if you really want to go and explore, you don't want to be limited by, um, you know, range anxiety, yeah, having yeah. to get back to a charging point. There's not going to be a charging it. point in, you know, in the middle of nowhere, is there? Like no. Birdsville or something. But I do, think, I do think these sorts of uh, adventurous vehicles might have, that, they might be where the plug-in hybrid plays its best part because yeah. if you can still rely on fuel to a degree but have the opportunity to run electric power yeah. if you're driving yeah. around town for example absolutely that's going to be the the win-win for most yeah, people it's going to be gold isn't it you're still going to have to like if you're going to the simpson desert and you know your vehicle's got a small small tank you're going to take jerry cans with you absolutely. so you yep. can't take a jerry can of electricity mm. but you can take one you can take a generator yeah, yeah. you can take a jerry can of yes. fuel for yeah. your plug-in. So yeah. I remember suffering range anxiety in a Tesla and I was with a photographer and I asked if we could plug in his battery pack from his flashes into the car <laughs> to help get us home. Sadly, it wasn't going to work out. But it's not a good feeling. No, it's no. not. I've, I've had it as well. In um, We had a BMW i3 with the range extender engine and it we, we did this eco test once upon a time and we're driving back and it gets to a point where it's running basically the... It's a, I think it's a two-cylinder engine that's just basically trying to create energy so your batteries have got power. Um, Nine-litre nine yeah, fuel tank. Yeah, nine-litre fuel tank. Yeah. We topped up the fuel tank and then got we're on the way back and it's it's basically out of fuel. And right. you're cl- climbing on a highway 
at 80 k's an hour and it starts to lose speed and you you've got trucks coming past that's you and this dangerous. is this is like oh, oh no God, this car Scary is and dangerous yeah. that's that's what happens yeah. when you test cars outside of their intended I agree purpose. and that was exactly the same scenario coming back from uh, the southern tablelands uh, at about 80 kilometers an hour on a freeway mm. to try and extend the range with B double screaming past at god knows what speed that was terrifying yeah yeah so yeah. okay well do you just go uh, by the dashboard sort of range indication or do you factor in you know like if you've got a a, a car yeah. you, you have your idea of how far you can get on an empty tank yeah. you know, whereas fu- the car factor. it may not it may not. <laughs> <laughs> how do you go with an electric car like do you just i think it is pr- i i haven't ever run an electric car out all the way of energy now. so i don't know it's oh, a great God. question yeah. but, i'd imagine it would be like a switch yeah you just get to there and just you're stop. out the yeah. closest i've ever been is four kilometers left um, which yeah. was in a Tesla, okay. and I, I was yeah packing it. Um, I was very worried, yeah, very worried. And because I'd asked Tesla before, I said, "Look, if I run out, is there any sort of reserve?" Mm. And they said, "Nope, nope." That's when it, it says you're zero, your you're you're out. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of driving and nerves, what have we been driving this week? Let's do a, a whip round uh, the group. Matt, what have you been uh, master of during the past seven days? Something that has got on my nerves a little bit. Oh, really? Right. Uh, it was. I've been in two cars actually. I'll start with the baddest, the baddest one, the worstest <laughs> one, the badder, uh, the much more badder one. The the one I enjoyed least was the MG ZS, uh, little compact SUV. Look cute. Really good-looking SUV. Perceived quality is quite good. When you sit inside it, you think that everything's pretty impressive. Once you delve a little deeper, things aren't quite as impressive. Like uh, you, when you pull the door shut, the door pull actually moves a little bit when you actually when you shut the door. So that doesn't scream quality. When you put the USB into the plug hole, your cord will push the USB input Ooh, no, a little bit. That's never good. That's Not never good. good. Um, it doesn't scream wow they've spent a lot of time doing what they're doing with this car so um interesting car mg as a brand don't know what's going on there yeah it seems strange on the face of it you think there's a brand with so much sports car heritage building a small suv yeah where's the Uh, sports car where's where's the benefit yeah Um, and also the other thing i drove was the uh citroen c4 no grand c grand c4 grand I can never remember. Right, no. Grand C4 Picasso. It's definitely a Citroën. Yep. Yeah, too okay. much name to remember. <laughs> it's the Picasso. So the seven-seat van from right. Citroën. Yep. Um, soon to be renamed the Space Tourer. Of course it is. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a Tesla. That yeah. sounds like Elon's Roadster. Yeah. Yeah. It's like something Mars. Elon should be driving to. Yeah, uh, Space Tourer. Tourer. It does look a little bit like a UFO. Okay, oh, yeah. um, great. But really, really great car petrol engine um, newly added yep. so 1.6 litre turbo petrol yeah not a screamer of a of a powerhouse of an engine All but right. beautifully resolved ride great yeah. comfort you know citroen they don't disappoint when it comes to ride comfort it's and a specialty isn't it yeah. really of that whole psa peugeot yeah. and citroen they Fan- have something there don't they fantastic family option if you're looking for one cool crafty what have you been uh, behind the wheel of i've been in the uh, the meteor end of the vehicle spectrum i've been in an everest titanium the top spec uh we've we've done a lot of k's in it a lot of highway k's a lot of gravel tracks and then we hit the beach we had a couple of solid days on the beach i was a bit uh concerned because it's on 20 inch wheels 20 inch alloys never a good idea when you're Mm -hmm. off-road um but it did fine uh it has the terrain management system of of the of the sort of forward ranger everest lineup yeah 
good system. Um, Great. Same sort of principle as the as the Land Rover um, uh, system, so you can switch it into whatever mode you want. So snow, we didn't see a lot of that. Sand, gravel, <laughs> yeah. you know that sort of thing. We we had an absolute ball. Um, we got bogged a couple of times on purpose. Yes. Once not on purpose, but because <laughs> no one else was going on that on that bit of the beach. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great thing um, living with it for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, like Maddie said, you you pick up on a few uh, little niggles uh, when you're folding the the seats forward or back. The seatbelts tend to get caught up. Mm-hmm. Very small thing. The USB uh, sockets are in a sort of sort of pinched, odd place. Yeah, yeah, yeah odd, odd place. Yeah, yeah. Um, not as odd as in the glove box as some models have. Mm-hmm. But, um But yeah, uh, a great thing. Uh, about seventy four grand for the top spec. Wow. So a lot of dosh, wow. a lot yeah. of dosh. Wow. But a very nice, uh, very nice vehicle. Just one more thing on that uh, titanium. They do have a new... They've got an off-road pack. Off-road pack yeah, with 18-inch yeah. wheels. Which yeah. ours didn't come with. Yeah. yeah. No, ours came sort of city-friendly. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, you can get so an off-road pack. So the 18's a bit more fat yeah. in the well, sidewall. Yeah, you got a bit so more sidewall so you yeah. can let a bit more air out. Yeah. We, we just kept an eye on them um, mm-hmm. and we didn't yeah. have any problems. Cool. Uh, but, yeah... With an 18-inch, you've got a bit more freedom with uh, how far you can drop them. So yeah. um, we're, we're, we're coming towards the end. I'll just briefly mention I was in a Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, which was oh, the first time in that vehicle. Uh, interesting. I thought it was a pain-free experience. It, it was uh, <laughs> wow. fairly, fairly painless. <laughs> is, that a, is that a compliment? There were, there were some... <laughs> it's I, like a colonic irrigation. The only thing was... Pain-free? It, it wasn't inspiring, is what I'm saying. Okay. It didn't do anything uh, particularly brilliantly well. I thought there were some shortcomings in um, a solid bar across your rear view and the rear mm-hmm. windows, and that's never a good idea. Not good. It's not the first car to have done that. A lot going on in the interior design, and um, I don't know whether it's as cohesive as it could be, but in terms of the drive, the only thing I did find that stood out of miles when you press that eco button, it pulls the rug out from under that car. It doesn't mm-hmm. want to go anywhere. <laughs> um, driving in eco mode around the city, this was the all-wheel drive version, is a chore. And yeah, you so find pretty just, jarring. Like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. nothing there. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. I think I think we're up against it time-wise. Guys, we've crossed the finish line. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. And Crafty, may your roads be rocky and your tyre pressures appropriate. <laughs> Thank and, you. And thanks to our producer, Barbara, on the panel. He's passionate to the point where he wants to kiss most other drivers with the grill of his car. <laughs> And thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show or anything else that's on your mind. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. Listeners have left some stars and thoughts up there. Thank you. If you haven't, drop in a few words, give us a star rating or both. It would be great. Help spread the word on the podcast. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, remember... Cars don't kill people. Chuck Norris does. Nice.